Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, everybody, welcome to the Eric Andrews Lang Show. Uh, we've got a special episode today and a special guest, a special story. Um, we are we are live from Cincinnati, where I'm with Clay. Uh, Clay, I don't know your last name. Hood. Hood. Yes. Um, we. It's funny because we were just in Portland coming from Mount Hood. Oh, yeah. So they named a mountain after you. They did, yeah. It's there. It's great. You had many... Uh, you know, we have a lot of things in common, and I think one of the biggest things we have in common is... Um, Probably, you know, the commitment to taking care of the needs of, would you say the average golfer or what? Not, not necessarily the average golfer, but for me, it's more, we talked a little bit about, you know, your mission with Precision Pro. You're a wonderful partner of ours. And we appreciate that very much. And I hope you listening also appreciate that because, you know, all of the content that we make for you, whether it's the podcast, the YouTube, the Instagram, you know, the idea is that that's all free for you to enjoy, but we have to, you know, somehow basically... Uh, you know, align with people whose ideals we agree with. And Precision Pro has been, you know, a, a brand and a company and a mission that was very easy to see that we share the same things. Um, but, but as far as, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, I've been using the rangefinder now for a year. I love it. Uh, I know that people who have, uh, you know, picked it up based on my advice love it as well. I was surprised to hear about some of the, uh, we'll, we'll dig into your story. Okay. Uh, but before that, you know, Correct me on what golfer is going to benefit most from this, from, from the work that you've done here over the last, uh, what is it, six years? Uh, yeah, five years now. So, five. yeah, a little over five years. So, yeah, I think our kind of our target customer is your, I would call you, you know, your everyday golfer. Just kind of your, you know, average guy plays a municipal course, maybe plays, you know, semi-private courses, maybe even, you know, maybe even a country club. Um, but you know, we have good products. They're at good prices. Makes it a little bit easier to get into a pro into a rangefinder than some of the higher end stuff. So, yeah, I see. You know, I think we kind of parallel our, cu our customer with a lot of our employees. We're just regular guys. We play golf. We drive just you know average cars, and you know we live pretty normal lives. So that's kind of who we kind of craft our brand around. It's just like the average golfer. So. Yeah, I've had the chance to uh, meet the eleven guys here on the team. At Precision Pro in uh, what neighborhood of Cincinnati are we in? We're in Norwood. Norwood. Right by Xavier University. And I can say that everyone on the team here is someone that I would get paired up with and be like, you're a good dude. Yeah. Let's, let's like play golf again. Just regular guys. Yeah. We, we, and that's something we've stressed when we've, as we've hired. It's actually been really easy to hire people and find good people because we're a golf company. People love golf. So that's one of our requirements when we put a job posting out is, you know, you have to be a golfer. You don't have to be the best golfer. You don't have to play every day. You know, you don't have to, you know, obsess about golf, but you gotta, you have to be a golfer and you have to enjoy it. And everyone here does that. And that is kind of a, you know, that's always a hiring thing. You know, the beer test, which is somebody you could have a beer with. No, right. Nobody here is like, we're all just regular dudes who, you know, we're living pretty regular lives. No one here is, uh, you know, living the penthouse life. So, in a sense, that's kind of its own sort of random golf club experience. You know, something that we've uh, kind of stumbled upon, which was this idea that you know, you know, as a newcomer to golf, I found golf, the game, the clubs, the courses, the tee times, whatever it was, to be a little bit um, uh, 
not as welcoming as I might have liked. And, you know, again, that's one of the things that I come back to when I look at, you know, the cost of things, right? That's an issue, right? I mean, the price for a round of golf, it's, it's hard to get good value when you're working, you know, a good job and you then have to go out and spend money on clubs, on a bag, on balls, on mm-hmm. tees, on a glove, on hat, shirts, and then a rangefinder. And it's like, you know, I remember my first rangefinder and, and how much of a big decision that was. And we don't need to make this a, a hard, you know, hard hitting topic on rangefinders, but it's something that you know a lot about. Sure. And I remember my, you know, the personal experience of going out and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is a big decision because going from not using one to using one is a pretty different world. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember your first rangefinder? You, how, you've been playing golf a while. You're a, you're a two handicap. Yeah, I've been playing golf since I was, I'm 37 now, so 26 years, I guess. I got kind of going when I was 11, so, uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, geez, I played through all kind of high school golf, college golf without a rangefinder. They weren't really a thing back then. I think my first one was, I used to be a golf pro. I think I remember having one back in the mid-2000s and being, you know, this is incredible. This is really good. When did they come out in the first place? Was it right around then? I think that you, they, you started to see golf rangefinders around kind of the early to mid-2000s okay. um, was kind of when things started going i think that the usga actually had a something in place uh, prior to then where you couldn't you know as these became more prominent where you couldn't actually use it for posting scores there was some kind of change that they made at one point that made them a little bit more accessible to people could actually feel like they could use them um so yeah i'm gonna say early kind of early to, to mid 2000s or when you started to see those come along and what was that experience like i mean you were you were a professional you had been working in the game of golf you had devoted already your life to it been playing since 11 mm-hmm. rangefinder comes in changes the game Sure. What is that like? I, I don't know what that's like because I started playing at 30 eight years ago, which is, you know, 2010. Rangefinders yeah. were ubiquitous. Kind of had it. Yeah, I mean, it went from, so when I was, say, when I was 16 years old, I was playing junior golf tournaments. That would be my, like, summertime thing. And I would, I worked at a golf course. I would play all the time. You know, on a regular day at my home course, it was kind of this, you know, not very nice. You go track. We didn't have, you know, there was no definition between fairway and rough. You would, there would be a 150 stake over by the cart path, a 100 stake, and then a 200 stake. And you would basically just guess. And you got to be pretty good at guessing how, like, how far you were. You could, like, you know, you play the same course enough, you could kind of, you know, figure out what clubs you were hitting there. You know, we'd go to a tournament. You'd play in a nicer, uh, on a nicer course. They'd have some yardage markers that would help you out a little bit. You'd have this, you'd have a pin sheet. I remember having a pin sheet, and you know, you'd pull it out. You'd do the math. All right, the green's 32 deep, and the pin's seven on. All right, so half is 16. So all right, minus nine. All right, I got a sprinkler head. I'm going to pace off here. It's 140. You know, 144 to the front. I'm six yards behind that, so it's 150 minus nine, so 141, and that was like. Did you I, actually just do that math right there? That was yeah. pretty incredible. Somebody go back and audit me there, but I think I got it right. <laughs> One, that sounds really fun, actually. Like I, I, you know, I'm not to discredit your entire business, but like it, it does sound kind of fun. It's an interesting way to play. Yeah, I mean, and if there is a, you know, that's how I grew up doing it. You know, I think rangefinders, they, they, you get, you get to the same point. They just make yeah. it easier. I think it's a huge kind of gain for pace of play. You don't have to do that. Now, right. now it is that, you know, I am with you from an old school kind of romantic fashion. There is some kind of interest in that. You don't often get pin sheets, you know, at some places you do, but often but still you know, a, pin, a pin sheet is valuable with a rangefinder because you can say miss short, miss long. Absolutely. Pin right? sheet. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing, you know, with the rangefinder, if you can't see it, you know, you may not, you may see the flag, but you may not know that it's, hey, it's on the front or it's on the back exactly. So pin sheets are cool. I remember having that thing folded up in my back pocket by my, by my billfold, would pull it out, you know, do my, do the math there. And that's, you know, you see like the tour caddy's still doing that. They're, they're like the last guys who are actually still doing that, it seems like. So, right. yeah. But it, you know, it's gone from that to, 
you know, we had, then we had range finders and now we have, you know, we have phone apps, you have a lot of different stuff and a lot of different ways to get that. But, you know, it, it, I think in the whole, it, it's helped, you know, you know, progress has its good and bads, but I think in the, in the whole, in my mind, it's, it's helping out things, you know, faster and more accurate. And, uh, let's see you. Um, so, so, you know, when you, we, we came in here and we talked a little bit about, um, you know, designing and, and making a, a thing mm-hmm. to help people. Sure. And so, you know, you, you had a broad definition of kind of, you know, the goal of any business is relatively to solve a problem. Sure. Um, so when you sort of were starting out, when, when was the moment that you were like, you know what, this is it? Because, you know, on the outside, it seems like this is going very well. This is growing. It's more people are knowing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you obviously have a, a large staff and, you know, rangefinders are getting in people's hands. At what point were you like, okay, this, this is like my new idea. This is it. And then at what point were you like, oh my God, this is working. So I think, uh, so I moved, I think what, 2012 or so I moved out to California. I used to be a kind of a club pro and, uh, moved out to California and didn't get a job right away and kind of had some ideas, wanted to start a business, um, you know, met a friend, we tried a few things and kind of, you know, they didn't, you know, go as great, just a couple of kind of quick ideas, but we had an idea for a, you know, a rangefinder at the time, like, you know, rangefinders were becoming more popular, we knew they were useful, but there was only a couple brands and they were super expensive, you know, to your point about accessibility, like, you know, big decision, three, four hundred dollars, you know, for the, for the kind of bottom of the barrel. Um, wow, so they were average, they were even more yeah. Back then. Oh yeah. There were there were more back then. You know, prices have come down. You couldn't get in you couldn't get into the door for under three hundred dollars. And typically you were looking at the four to even even more. So it was a big investment. Um, and you know, we said, you know, is there a way we could, you know, make a rangefinder that we could sell at, at a retail level for two hundred bucks? You know, it'd be a hundred dollars cheaper than the lowest that's really there now. So we worked with a couple of uh, companies over in China to see if, you know, they could make something that would be of a decent quality and we could sell it. So basically the way that we kind of, to your question about, you know, when did you know that that was a thing? We had no idea if anyone was going to want this. Like we're, you know, sure this sounds like a good idea to us, but we're not sure if anyone's going to actually buy this. So right, cause in some ways, sorry to interrupt, but in some ways the golf industry suffers from this crazy paradigm where it's like charge more and it, and like that is, that is the market definition of quality. And, and it also speaks to the old version of golf, which is, oh yeah, no, this place is great. It's $600 a round. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. Yeah, it's not. I, I I base things on value. I was a Twilight player. I was always looking for just the random course that was twelve dollars, six dollars, eighteen dollars, and but I was the minority. I was going against the grain in some ways, at least as far as the brands that represent the golfers. Because you know it's crazy to think that we have a community of golfers that is how many million golfers in the world? Thirty. Twenty. Yeah, thirty million. Twenty-five million. Thirty million golfers, and we relatively speaking have no say over the selection that we no. uh, have when, as far as the brands that we support and the, and the products that we purchase. Buy what's there, right? Yeah, and so you are basically the Neo in this analogy of um, the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You basically, so you're, like, you're like, I will do this. You know what I mean? It's obviously not charity, but you know what I mean? You, you basically yeah. were like, I, I feel like there is an underrepresented group sure. that is saying, you know, I, I would want to spend less on a rangefinder. Thank you. Absolutely. No, for sure. There's a, there's a great, you know, there's a market out there that, and it's come along much more in the past few years for lower price, 
you know, golf equipment that it's very good quality. And there's some stuff that's higher end there. You know, there obviously there's these higher end golf clubs that are thousands of dollars a club, but you're starting to see like a lot of, um, we'll call it success or, you know, good things out of companies that are selling things for high quality, the lower price ourselves, you know, vice golf balls are high quality golf balls that are lower price. There's a lot of great, great golf ball. <laughs> There's a variety of things that are out there, and you and what you're seeing with I think is a, with the advent of the internet and advent of kind of younger people's social channels. There's an opportunity to break into that market, whereas before, like the, the bigger companies with their TV advertising and their distribution control, you couldn't really get in there. There was no way in ten years. There was very little way ten years ago to start a company because you needed some ways to get direct, more direct to a consumer, and they weren't really there. But the internet has really opened that up and made that possible. So now you're seeing throughout golf and throughout industry in general uh, a variety of things that are still good quality you know great companies but at lower prices so you know that's been I think a big shift in how golf has worked right yeah it's been very interesting so uh, you uh, you start off in uh, I guess you know one of the things I always think is interesting is um, you know we talked a little about this earlier over coffee but you know we've got uh, a, a fork in the road um, as, for, as an individual, right? And, and it happened for me and it's happened for others and other people want it to happen. Mm -hmm. And that fork is a decision between status quo and follow your dream. Mm -hmm. you, did you have that fork? I, I did. It was an interesting, it wasn't the same as a lot of kind of entrepreneurs, I would say. I had the fork of, I was, so I was, a, you know, doing the kind of the club pro thing. I was at a nice country club in Virginia and I got a chance to go out to California and visit um, one time and really liked it and said, you know what, I, I enjoy my golf pro job, but I, you know, it's a lot of work and I, I feel like I, you want to do something different. So I just made the decision to, you know, move to basically quit my job. You know, I gave six months notice. It wasn't like a, I decided overnight, but... You were, uh, the, were you assistant pro or head pro? Assistant pro. Okay. Yeah. Which is and still, a, it's a big job. They're expecting to stay there for it's, it's three, a big job. five, ten years. Yeah. I did, but I'd been there for five years at the time and, okay. you know, was making decent money and was enjoying it. It's just a lot of work. It's, it's a grind. You don't... People who ask me about kind of the you know the club pro business, the, the assistant pro business, you don't do that because you because you want to make a ton of money. You do it because you like it. Because you're working the weekends, your day off is usually Monday. You're there 12 hours a day. It's a lot of work. And you know I kind of got to the end where I was like, yeah, I'm looking for something a little bit different. Can we just take a minute there? So so I don't really know what that's like. And actually, I don't know if I've ever asked anybody what that's like. I mean, I guess I could imagine that you know the hardest part would be dealing with difficult members, but or, or maybe that it's relatively repetitive? I can't really figure. I think it a little bit depends on kind of where you are and what you're doing, but you know, I think one of the things that's difficult, um, you know, in the place that I was at that's difficult, is just kind of have, you always have to be on. You're always, always talking to people, you're just there to make chit chat, you're just always like, you know, not that I'm not nice to people in general, but you're just kind of always on. You can't have a bad day where you're like, Man, I feel I just want to be be an ass today, like you know. Right. So you know, wow. it's because it's basically at the end. It's not even customer service at some point. It's literally like it's a very unusual thing. You're totally right. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. You people pay a lot of money to be a member to say the country the club that I was a you know assistant pro at, and they come out and they want to you know the golf pros. They know the stuff. They you know they want to chat with you. They're like kind of like the you know, the people that people want to talk to, and you can't just tell someone, hey man, I'm busy. I've got to you know lock myself in the office here. Like someone wants to chat with you, chat. You got to chat it up, and yeah. So that you know that's a lot. And then the general hours, you just got to be there. You know, and in kind of our role now, like you can you know if you're if you're tired in the afternoon, you can go home and work from home a little bit. You can be on your computer doing stuff like 
when there you got to be there you, know, you got to be there at 8 a.m and you're going to be there till six and then six or seven like and you're doing that you know in the in the in season you're doing that six at least six days a week right and on the weekends so, i mean it's just it's fun i really enjoyed it but it can it can wear you out yeah it's funny i never thought of it that way you know my experience is on the other side of it you know as a as a as a muni golfer in the beginning and basically you know uh being kind of my presence not really being uh, welcomed in the in the most public courses or like everyone I mean you know obviously I'm generalizing and and I'm more saying it as like not to complain but more to let other new golfers know that hey look like we've all had this experience it's not personal but also to let people know who are working these jobs say like it doesn't take that much more to be nice like yeah. in fact point in case in point uh, we were at the TSA yesterday and there were two lines um, after the pre-check and I went in and, and I went to the one on the left and, and my, my other team members went on the right and I noticed that the TSA members they were looking at the ID scanning it and then scanning the boarding pass and one of them was looking at the ID and she would scan it and then look at the uh, plane ticket and scan it and hand it back and it was relatively normal and then the other one would look at the ID look at the person smile and say you know, uh, hi, Jeff, how are you today? And Jeff, whoever that is, was like, I'm good, how are you? And, and even just that simple moment of connection was huge. And, and anyway, you know, you don't always get that at a, at a public golf course. And, and the interesting thing is, as a member at a private course, for a while I was a member of Wilshire, that was one of the nicest parts about it for me, really, was, mm-hmm. was interacting with the staff and feeling like, you know, we were authentically engaged and, and probably on some level maybe as a customer or maybe for the staff as an employer for them it maybe felt more authentic because i wasn't used to that i didn't grow up with a crew that essentially i could send out and say can you bring me a soda i'm on the 12th hole like that was just totally foreign to me you know so it it was very exciting and these people love golf and Mm -hmm. you you obviously you know continued that theme and with precision pro with the the entire team here is golf lovers so Okay, so then you say, you know, I, I have to be on all the time. This is exhausting. Mm-hmm. I want to try something new. Yeah, that's kind of Cal- Cal- enter California. Enter, enter <laughs> California. I, uh, I actually, yeah. So I moved to moved out to Santa Monica, kind of on the beach in LA, and uh, my kind of idea was I could one get another kind of you know job doing golf, or maybe you know start my own business. Um, so I wasn't quite sure, but I had saved up money and like I knew that I could kind of get by for a while without having to actually you know get a job and kind of explore some things. So um, I, we you know I kind of looked at a couple ideas and kind of mildly tried a few things and you know kind of enough to just kind of you know whet your interest and be like this is kind of interesting, but not enough to you know really make any money or kind of make it into a business. And then met uh, you know person who became to be my business partner, my co-owner now, his name's Jonah, and we actually met randomly at a bar in Santa Monica, uh, just kind of sitting there one night and wound up playing golf together. So we kind of worked through some ideas. He had done a business before, and uh, yeah, we came up with you know kind of you know could we make a rank, could we make a um, you know a golf rangefinder work at a lower price? And it seemed like uh, you know as useful as the products were, not many people had them, and we kind of really they weren't they weren't totally ubiquitous at that time. Not you know not at all. I mean, and they're still like you know a lot of you know your better golfers maybe people you see more often have them, but I think if you go to like a public course, like I go out to the driving range here at a public course in Cincinnati and look on people's bags and, you know, I, I see like less than half of the people, you know, having a rangefinder. 
So, but back then it was significantly less, like not many people had them and we kind of point to like, yeah, they're very expensive and you know, they're people, I think people are just kind of starting to learn kind of, you know, what they do and and how they work and the value. So, so that was kind of our idea and kind of, we had, you know, where we got to the idea stage and that was, um, you know, then then from there we had to take it and kind of see what we could do with it. So, right. Yeah. So that was good. And And so as far as, you know, uh, the, the idea that you know, you're fixing someone else's problem, which mm-hmm. is to, you told me, hit more greens, yep. which is, um, you know, I would love that. I would love another green or two. I feel, I feel like you don't need that. I feel I, like you got plenty of greens. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess it's about quantity. I mean, I play a lot. So, you know, overall, <laughs> but the ratio is pretty low. Um, but as far as, you know, so that's the problem you're solving. What have you found in your business itself? I'm curious, just as a, you know, a, a fellow business owner, what have you found is a problem that you've had to solve just sort of internally to solve that bigger problem? You know, what, what have you kind of, has it been um, something about your approach to problem solving, about your approach to management, about your approach to, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, vendors and sales and, you know, I mean, I'm curious to know what has been the most interesting takeaway in the last five years of, of starting this whole thing? Um, I think the, probably the most interesting thing that I've learned um, through just doing this is to be is that you often things will have to change. The thing that you did in the past that was successful will not be the thing in the future that's successful. So you'll have to do something new, and then that won't be as successful because basically what happens is everyone will you know other people will catch up. So uh, to you, as an example, like we got started through retail, we sold our products exclusively to retail in the beginning. And uh, pro shops. To pro shops, yeah, we sold to pro shops and kind of off course golf shops. We weren't really selling to the to the bigger retailers, the the Roger Dunn's and the Dick Sporting Goods. But it was like you know your golf course, your your uh, your small golf shop. That's kind of how we got started, and that carried us through about say 18 months, and we had some pretty good success with that. And I think we pretty quickly found out about in that period that you know, well. You know, we we can only right now we can only really sell to so many golf shops. We just don't have the the people to do more. We don't have a lot to do more. So what like what are, what's our next thing going to be? How what's what are we going to do next? And we made a conscious point to focus on um, kind of online Amazon and our website, and we started to hire some people. We made a big push to focus on online and uh, our website. And over the next couple of years, like we ramp we grew hugely through just focusing heavily on those. We're still doing our retail business. And we grew a big time by, you know, focusing on these online businesses. And now we've seen that online business is still doing great, but it's starting to slow a little bit because you're only going to be able to do so much. We're starting to see our retail kind of build again as we work with some bigger things. So it's been a constantly, constantly, you know, one, when you do have success, understanding why you did, understanding what you did that made you successful. Like, you know, so that you just didn't one day blindly luck into sales and like, hey, that's great. If you don't know why you did, why you had success, you can't, you know, it's hard to replicate it. It's hard to kind of analyze it. And two, just, you know, having the wherewithal to say, hey, all right, this was, this was the proper strategy. This is the proper thing to do here, but it's not going to be the only thing we need to do as we go forward. We have to make a change. And we've done that. We've done that several times over. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's been kind of the biggest, uh, biggest thing that through different stages of the business um, there are things will become will change and you'll have to find different channels you'll have to find different partners you'll have to find new customers you'll have to find you know a variety of new things so you know success is not a linear thing what you do today will not necessarily carry you through to five years from now right yeah it's, it's interesting you know because talking about change and improvisation makes me when you were talking I was kind of visualizing a war 
like a battle plan. Mm -hmm. And or then I started visualizing a football game, and then I started visualizing a round of golf. It's completely improvised, and, and merely you have a map of you know what the obstacles are. But the truth is, those obstacles are relatively meaningless because they you don't you, and, they, and you don't know how you're going to experience them. Mm -hmm. Like you could see a bunker, but like you might not be in the flat. Like you might be on the lip, or you might be. You know, like you might have one leg in the bunker. Yeah. And so, you know, the obstacles are relatively two-dimensional until you approach them. So you might start a business and say, okay, my problem is going to be this and this. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to say, well, my problem is actually much simpler yeah. or much more complicated. Absolutely. I think what a big example for us has been when we first started, say, a year in, maybe not even a year in, six months in. When we first started, we were the only... You know, range finder like sub two hundred dollars that you could go to. Really? A shop. Yeah, like there was really not there wasn't anything at that level that you could really go buy, um, and within six months, like several of the you know more known brands had come and a couple new brands had come with products at that price. And man, I was like, you know, this this is going to be the end of us. Like we're going to be done. Like you know, some three brands here that people know way better than us. No one's ever heard of us. Now have a product at the same price. Like you know, we're finished. Um, instead of just like saying, hey, we're done and giving up, you know, we doubled down, we built new products, um, we focused on our customer service, we focused on our branding and the way our brand looked and our marketing and, you know, we, we, we made the best out of that and instead of going down, we just spiked up like a rocket and um, it was where, you know, that's the, the entrepreneur's like kind of life, like, you know, I, there's not one day a week when I'm like, we're screwed, but the next day I'm like, we're back, so... <laughs> It's um, so that was a kind of a big example of how that happened, but um, yeah, and that any anyone who's ever started a business has probably seen that, you know, seen that thing. Like today's a bad day, right? right. Yeah. So, what's the most common feedback you get? Because I always look at the feedback that we get either through the podcast, the YouTube, or the Instagram as a as a marker of where we what we've succeeded at, but also what where we need to go, and also just it, it, it's a nice kind of. Um, it's a fulfilling moment as a human because solving somebody's problem is great if it if it can you know put food on your table for your family. Mm -hmm. But solving a problem for someone is even better when you know it really helped them. I mean, it, it, does that does that come into your life? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we spend. I mean, kind of one of our key things is us being golfers. Like a lot of our competitors are hunting companies and camera companies, and it, to be honest, they don't care about helping someone hit more greens they want to sell a rangefinder like and we're, we're golfers like we designed our product specifically for golfers so i do a lot of uh, talking with our customers i do phone calls and i go out and play occasionally wait i just realized that every other major rangefinder brand There's is not, not a golf company no they're they're hunting shooting camera they're not golf like so wait that, a minute that's crazy I, yeah how did that never occur to me they just it's a product they could sell and there was some demand so people needed you know people would buy it and they, and know, sure, they have access to tech and optics and whatever. Yeah, but they're also just kind of like. But they're not. You don't really care about your golf game. They don't. They don't care if you get better. They don't. You know, golf is just a. It's another extension for them. If it goes away, like then they would stop doing it. So whereas, you know, for us, it's like what we do. Um, that's why we we haven't really done products outside of. We haven't done any products outside of golf. So we've kind right. of resisted that. But. Yeah, you know, so in, so in talking to people, just talking to customers, like just hearing about people after they use our product, how that you know how it's helped them, how it's helped their game, how they you know it's so much easier to um, kind of understand how far their clubs go now, how they're hitting better shots. Um, you know, and that I tell people like you know we're not gonna we're not gonna help you hit it straighter or you know necessarily hit more greens by hitting better shots, but we're gonna give you better info. 
And yeah, we get a lot of people who, a lot of people who I talk to tell us that. We see that a lot, a lot in reviews. Um, that's great. I think one of the bigger things that makes me happy to see is in, you know, 75% of our reviews, people reference our customer service. Um, you know, we do, we offer free battery replacements. Um, Hang on, free battery replacement, folks. You know how hard it is to find those batteries? Yeah, you got to go, you know, you got to get on the bus and go to CVS and you got to go into the back room and cost $7 and then the self-checkout doesn't work and then you got to go, you know, stand in line and pay the lady. You know, but basically, you, what, if you have a range finder with you guys, you just you literally just email or call and you just send them one? We've got a form on our website. You just put your name, your email, your address, and like the little the serial number on your product, and we'll, we'll send you a battery. It'll come in the mail a couple days later. That's so, amazing. Yeah. It's a little thing we started a few years ago. It's really taken off. People have loved it. So that's one of our service points. I mean, other things we do, you know, we do a 90-day money-back guarantee. That's one thing that – so I guess the way – a lot of the way that our service kind of um, – culture got started was when we were in the beginning I was doing our service I was answering phone calls and answering emails that's awesome and maybe because it was myself and my partner he was doing sales I was doing kind of the operation side and I think I was just too scared to ever tell anybody like no I'm not going to help you out like I was afraid they'd yell at me so I just took care of them (laughs) (laughs) and since then we've kind of you know I don't answer the calls really much anymore but since then we've kind of been able to move that through to as we've added more people so yeah I mean that's the you know, that was one of our key feedback points when we started was several of the bigger companies were just pains in the asses to work with if they ever had an issue. You know, rangefinders occasionally will have trouble. Every brand, you know, has problems. And, you know, if, if something, if there is an issue, you basically send your product back to us and we'll send you a new one and you'll be back on the street in a couple of days. Like, instead of sending it back and saying, all right, we're going to fix it. It's going to take us three weeks. we got to mail it back to you. Like, you know, we just kind of treat, you know, treat people how we would want to be treated. So that's been one of our biggest things, and that's I still love that when we see that come over kind of our reviews. Yeah, that's it's interesting how much that is not the norm. And again, this goes back to the beginning. What we're talking about is like, you know, we could even it's not just golf, right? We're talking about all customer, you know, relationships with the products that we choose. And it's funny, you know, because I think about this kind of makes me think about Nike, which is this large company, obviously, that has this. Um, designing principle of disruption and it's cool that you know this uh, you know dream of yours has resulted in some disruption within just the way that a customer experiences the purchasing of a golf product because yeah you're right I mean you know buying clubs for a lot of people is well it was for me a relatively dissatisfying experience right I would go to the golf shop and I would hit a few balls and then the, the person there who I thought was going to make a commission off the sale would basically tell me that it was my swing that was the problem. And as a, you know, it, I think at the time I was like probably 14 handicap or something. I mean, you know, it, I can't be expected to hit a draw if I've never done it. And it's, it's very cool that you're changing the expectation for a future generation of what you can come to, uh, you know, experience and expect as a paying customer. Cause I mean, you know, that you're totally right. Like actually my, um, my friend left their laptop on Southwest Airlines the other day. And she's like, I can't even find a phone number of where to get my laptop. And I'm like, well, that's why I fly United. You know what I mean? Because I have a very clear and distinct relationship with this company. And that's why I choose to, you know, tell people about them and spend my money with them, mm-hmm. you know? And in that case, they're actually, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting overall recurring relationship yeah, no, it's absolutely, and, and I think sometimes it gets to the fact of just being a bigger company. As your company, as a company gets bigger, it can be tougher to do. You know, as, as an example, like we, 
you know, we buy some office furniture from Ikea, and I think of them as usually as a very good company. We had an issue with getting some stuff delivered, and I found a, a you know, an email address, like a customer service email, and you get a response, and we'll respond to you within seven days. Like, what? Seven days? Like, come on. Like, that's I'm going gonna to be gone by then. So, um, yes, as you get bigger, it becomes tougher. So that's been one of the, I think, as a smaller company, we can, you know, still, you know, the guy who's talking to people on the phone, I can go down and I can chat with him, and, you know, we can go over anything that we need to go over. So he's just right down the hall. So it's been a really great thing for us and something we, you know, we're gonna definitely try to keep moving as we, as we get bigger. Um, I'm very excited to go out and play golf together today. Uh, we're gonna go do a random golf club. We've invited, uh, well, we don't actually know who we've invited. It's, it's a lot of people. I haven't looked at my phone, um, but it's going to be a lot of people gonna join us with, uh, with some golf today. I'm very excited. And um, we're gonna bring their dogs and we're gonna give away some range finders. But as podcast listeners, uh, I'm sure you all know, you've heard the uh, ad that we read for Precision Pro, but you get a discount code. Um, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to let them know what the code is? Do you want to do that? Is it? No, I, I think, think it, I can't remember what it was. I read it a while ago. Yeah. Is I it think just it, my name? It's just, e, I think it's E-L-A. E, E-A-L? E-A-L. Sorry. Yeah. The code is just E-A-L and it's for, yeah, $20 off any of our products uh, on our website. So yeah, coupon code E-A-L. That's good. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. Took me a second to remember that. I, I, um, I love when people say, you know, can I get, uh, but what do they say? They say, they say like, what is that range finder? And I say, I, I feel really good about saying there's a discount code on the podcast Yeah. because to me, that's like, you know, on every podcast, we really try to incorporate some level of investigation into the why or the how or the where or the mm-hmm. what or the who of golf. And I feel really good about, you know, cause, cause it's cool that you guys are offering such a great incentive to not only, you know, get into a, potentially a new part of your game. Cause the truth is for a lot of people, would you, do you have any data on whether or not this is people's first range finder? Yeah, we actually do. We do, uh, you know, the occasional survey. It's been a little while since we've done one, but in the past, you know, I think maybe we'll say a year ago is kind of last time we've done one. People were typically telling us about 70% of our customers were first time rangefinder runners. Wow. So, yeah, that's why, you know, I still think there's a lot of people. It doesn't seem like it because the people that I'm around, they have them because, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a little easier. The people you're around probably have rangefinders. But, and if I can just go out to the you know, public course of driving range, I just still don't think not that many people have them. So it's, right. yeah, there's still a lot of space out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Congratulations on all the success so far. And awesome. uh, if you're listening there, check this out. You know, this is like a, a product that I've taken around the world with me mm-hmm. and I've used it both in yards and meters, Yeah, which has been exciting. And apparently when it's, um, when the, uh, when the air is thin and you're playing in like uh, Portland or, or I'm sorry, in uh, central Oregon, in the high desert, I just put it on meters. That works, yeah. And then I and then made, I have my eight percent calculation. Made the adjustment. Yeah, and because of the altitude and the you know the thin air. Yeah. That was that was a really great attribute. Four hundred yard drives. <laughs> Crushing it. Card path. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me, and and you know everyone uh, again check out Precision Pro. Check out the video that's on YouTube uh, of us playing golf and, and digging a tour of the office and looking at kind of all the different ways that you guys, you know, conduct your business and offer a valuable service to your uh, your customers. Super. Thanks for having me. Thank you.